0: And the USOPC in no way warrants that content of featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show.
1: When they said they were doing a reality show, I was a little concerned. Mesdames et messieurs,
2: the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the
3: Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close.
4: that is an Olympic champion. Ready.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympic fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? Hello. I have a little spring allergy
1: going, but uh-huh. I'm- I hear you. Yeah, I'm a little throaty <laughs> today.
2: Ooh. Wow. Yeah. We will see <laughs> how that does I'm for bored. the show. Yeah, we'll see how we, we <laughs> hang on till the end. <laughs> Well, I am in Chicago, one time Bid City, which is interesting, you know, and tugs at my heart a little bit because I, I volunteered with the bid and was there when they, I was there at the ceremonies, I guess you could say, where where, where they found out they lost the bid to Rio. Where they,
1: feel, where they failed miserably.
2: Yes, no, and that was bad. It was. And, and it was interesting because Barack Obama was there and he was still a senator at the time. And that was the first time I had seen him live. And he w- it was like a rock star was in the building. Wow. It was the energy he brought and the reaction of the crowd was amazing. And then, of course, Chicago got out in the first round of voting. And the even though it was outside at Daily Plaza, it was like all of the air had been let out of the room.
3: Like Aww. all of the
2: air had been sucked out of Chicago when Ugh. everyone was like, oh, I didn't know we were that bad on the bid. But... <laughs> which you know and as we later found out it wasn't
1: necessarily right com- yeah it wasn't the it wasn't chicago's
2: failure Right. put it that way yes. yes there were many more aspects at play but today we are talking about hope and more specifically the next olympic hopeful right that because was nice it was <laughs> thank you <laughs> that was slick there Jill. learning some skills 34. <laughs> <laughs> 34 regular episodes in i'm learning some skills yeah today you know what's because you know what's coming back is another season of the next olympic hopeful yes it Which is, is. Really exciting we've got uh so last year the united states olympic committee decided to try to find a new way to find up-and-coming talent so it went the reality show as everybody does eventually. Right, so they they put together a reality show called The Next Olympic Hopeful, where the national federations in bobsled, skeleton, track cycling, and rugby, they got together and they tested young athletes to see if the athletes had skills that could cross over to these sports. And the really cool thing was that concept worked, as we know from our episode four, where we talked to one of the winners, Josh Williamson, who won the men's bobsled competition, and he went on to have an impressive rookie season in the sport, as well as being a lovely man to talk to. I was going to say, and won our hearts
1: as yes. well.
2: <laughs> kind of. We've sort of adopted him yes. as oh. as uh, a,
1: a very tall
2: son. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he he did really well his first season, and uh, we're yeah. looking forward to seeing what he does. But the even better thing was that the show and that concept was successful enough that the USOC decided to bring it back for another season. And today we're talking with Scott Rewald, the USOC's director of high performance, who has been instrumental in developing this program. And Allison and I talked with Scott earlier this week about the show and what changes to look for in season two. Well, what was the response from season one of the show, both from athletes and audience viewers at home?
3: Yeah, I think that the response from season one of the next Olympic Hopeful was overall pretty positive. We had invited uh, 100 athletes out to Colorado Springs for testing, and of those 100, we had eight winners, but in Total, there were 33 athletes that actually got invited to come and participate and get a second look from the national governing bodies that participated because so they saw something of interest that made them want to learn a little bit more about those athletes. So from a hit rate perspective, that was pretty cool and more than we thought that we would actually see from the athlete population that we brought out to Colorado Springs. I think the NGBs, the national governing bodies, were happy as well. They are probably a little bit questioning of uh, what's this going to be and what's the talent level going to look like for this kind of tv slash performance event. But at the end of the day, there are some stud athletes in that group that they're really excited about giving an opportunity to bring into their programs and to learn a little bit more about. Um, I can't comment as much on the spectator perspective, although the feedback that we've gotten is that it was well-received I think it generated a lot of interest and a lot of questions from the, the public And just using information that we have at our disposal. We're seeing kind of numbers already that have approached or maybe surpassed the number of athletes that are going on to our, our website to register for the event, and so I think this is one of those things that snowballs and word of mouth gets out. See something cool happening and other people want to say, oh how can I be involved in that? And I think we're seeing some of that some of that happening. And our hope is that it continues to happen, not just for this season, but also as we go forward in years to come that we're able to expand and grow the number of sports involved but also the interest involved in the interest around these talent identification, talent transfer initiatives.
2: So was the success of seeing, so? You, I mean, a third of the participants ended up being looked at further by these NGBs. Was that part of the driver in deciding to do this again for television?
3: It absolutely helped. I mean, the fact that there was an interest from the national governing bodies, and we started with four last year. Well, we had bobsled and skeleton represented as individual sports, even though they're part of the same national governing body cycling and rugby, I think we're all happy with what they saw from a town perspective and an encouragement from them to continue this going forward. We also had some comments and interest from NGBs that weren't a part of the program last year that felt that they were equally as or wanted to be represented in kind of efforts and initiatives going forward. And so we've actually kind of taken that into account and expanded the number of sports that are going to be represented this year. I'm evaluating the talent by another several NGBs. We have boxing in the mix this year, canoe, kayak, rowing, and weightlifting as the new sports to complement bobsled and skeleton, rugby, and cycling. So a greater number of sports. So the interest from others who wanted to participate as well as those that did participate saying, oh, we found some good stuff here and want to want to keep this going, that I think kind of gave us that push to continue down this road and actually try to expand the initiative in year number two.
4: How different is the televised combine versus what the NGBs were already doing in their own tryout process?
3: I think last year what we saw those or the tests reflected it, of what was being done in Colorado Springs pretty closely resembled the testing scenarios that several of those national governing bodies were putting athletes through on their own. In, in, but on a smaller scale. Um, so the tests that Bob said was using to evaluate talent were a reflection of some of the tests that they're using at other combines that they're, they're doing throughout the year, and I think you would say the same for rugby and for, for cycling. The program and the initiative gave us an opportunity to kind of bring them together and reach out to populations of athletes that they might not have been able to, to target before, and we did see that. We saw athletes come into the program that had never heard of these sports through the marketing and through the, the media push that was made to get people interested. So we're tapping into different markets and then bringing them in for testing. This year, we're kind of changing it up a little bit because of the number of sports that are involved. We're trying to run the testing so that there's several tests within the event that we run in Colorado Springs that are going to give each national governing body information and data that they feel is important to be able to evaluate talent. But we're also going to run every athlete through every test. We're not kind of earmarking athletes as a bobsled athlete, for example, when they come to the camp or as a boxing athlete. Everybody is is equal. And as they go through the test, they're going to demonstrate physical, physiological capabilities that – are going to kind of hopefully pique the interest of one, if not several, national governing bodies. And we're going to let the talent kind of drive who's interested and where they might end up as opposed to what we did last year was kind of slot people into certain sports before they even showed up in Colorado Springs. So it's going to be a broader base of testing that's targeted towards those national governing bodies that are participated. But we're going to see athletes, I think, doing more And trying out for just one sport.
4: So does that mean all the athletes are going to go through that horrible last test that was in the show last year?
3: Yeah, I think Uh, you're referring to, um, it was the repeated sprint test. It was the shuttle run. Is that the one that you're talking about? Where people were
4: vomiting and passing out. Yeah, that's the one.
3: (laughs) I don't know that anybody passed out. We had lay down, but um, (laughs) no, yes, we want to. That's going to be one of the physical attributes that we that we test, and we want to have everybody kind of go through that as part of the, the testing. Again, we want to get a picture, a full picture, of what these athletes are, are able to do.
2: When somebody is thinking about trying out, what kind of fitness level should they have going
3: in? We don't put any constraints on kind of – what your skill level is when you're doing testing, and maybe I should take one step back. In order to be considered for qualification and an invitation out to Colorado Springs, there are several in-the-field tests that we're asking everybody to do, and in some instances, a lot of instances, the athletes will self-report the data and their performances in a sprint, a vertical jump, um, a pull-up test, a mile run, and then a strength test, a squat test, And that information gets entered into a database and is going to be used um, as one of the primary determinants of who gets invited to Colorado Springs. So anybody can try out, but obviously it's going to be those athletes that have a high level of physical skills and aptitudes that are ultimately going to get selected to come forward. And one of the great things about the program is we're not really targeting any real specific demographics. We're not targeting just collegiate athletes. We're not targeting any certain group of individuals. This is open to anybody and everybody, and I think that was one of the really neat things that we saw in the program last year was just the cross-section of America that, like, actually showed up in Colorado Springs, was invited to Colorado Springs. It was people from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, and um, it was really pretty neat to neat to see. So. You're going to need to be fit. You're going to need to kind of be strong in order to kind of get the invite out to Colorado Springs, but that doesn't limit you from participating in the tryouts or submitting information to be considered for those events.
2: When the athletes get the invitation, what can they expect when they get there? How, how long is the actual training camp versus how long the show is actually?
3: The time frame that we're working with is the athletes would arrive in Colorado Springs and undergo probably two full days of testing. And then kind of there will be other elements of the show kind of packaged in around that testing. So it could be that testing bleeds over into, into a third day. But we'll probably have athletes going through anywhere from 8 to 12 tests while they're here on the ground and, again, targeting various physical and physiological attributes or skills that are going to be necessary for the sports they're trying out for. Um, So I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. They're going to have full days, but they'll also have appropriate time to rest and recover between events. Um, Our goal is to let them know before showing up what those events are so that if there is some type of preparation, either physically or mentally, that they need to go through before they arrive here, they have an opportunity to do that. But we're going to see how they do, see how they hold up under strenuous conditions, and Luckily, they are going to be here. They're going to be housed at the training center. They're going to have access to housing and food, and and the training and competition will be here, done here at the Olympic Training Center. So everything will be, will pretty, be pretty centrally organized and hopefully pretty easy for them once they arrive to eat, drink, sleep, and train, right? <laughs> or eat, sleep, and compete.
4: I was just going to say, how much of the interviewing and the backstory is done on those same days, or is that done ahead of time?
3: Um, A lot of that will be done while they're here on Complex. Again, as athletes check in, I know that time is being scheduled and kind of the the TV crews will be grabbing people one-off throughout the course of the event to hear a little bit more about their backstory, who they are, what their previous experience is, what their thoughts are about the, the camp and the and the testing. So that's all going to be incorporated into the, the time that they spend here in Colorado Springs. There may be additional pieces that get built in around that. One of the different things that we're doing this year is we've actually partnered with a couple of our Olympic training sites. So these are institutions, organizations at different parts of the, the country that are affiliated with the USOC and several of the national governing bodies that we are targeting in this, where we're doing some of this tryout testing, those five tests to get you qualified for consideration. We're holding tryouts at several of those Olympic training sites, and we actually just had one this past weekend with the Oklahoma City Boathouse Foundation, and we had a camera crew or camera there that was capturing some of that testing data and also getting some interviews and some backstory on on athletes out in the field. So a little bit more information, and in there. again, there may be more that comes in around the athletes and um, building those stories, but that is a big part of what it is that we're doing, and we want to be able to profile where they come from, what their stories are, because it's pretty neat to see the diversity and kind of the range of backgrounds and experiences that the talented athletes come from.
2: Besides the sports and expanding the, the tryout locations, is there anything else different between last season and this season that we'll be able to notice?
3: I think it's uh, in terms of differences. One is the approach that we're not kind of slotting people in to be an athlete dedicated or kind of earmarked for a specific sport. That will kind of open, or I think, add a different element in terms of the testing and how they're being evaluated every sport is going to be looking at every athlete and kind of evaluating whether they have skills that are appropriate for theirs. It's also going to, I think, change how those athletes then are selected who quote unquote gets to be named as a, as a winner. When you have multiple sports potentially interested in the same athletes, it's going to create a, I think, some dynamics and conversations about who does what at the end of the day. So there could be some, some new, I guess, dynamics into the into the environment because of the way that things are being set up.
4: Yeah, one of the very interesting things about Season 1 to me was the conversations among the, um, the coaches and that dynamic and how they were evaluating different athletes. So how much of that was, do you feel like Season 1 was accurately reflecting what those conversations were really like?
3: Those conversations were were legit and real, I can tell you from being in the room with them that nothing was staged and nothing was planted. Everything that you saw was was genuine. So if a, if a coach was talking about an athlete or coaches from different sports were talking about an athlete, those were real conversations that were happening in the moment. So, again, it probably doesn't come through on the show, but one of the, I guess, ancillary benefits of doing something like this is we actually have coaches from different sports talking more regularly since that show aired or since we ran the next Olympic Hopeful in 2017 talking about athletes and, hey, I saw somebody last week at a at a camp that may be good for your sport and vice versa. And the program is starting to live in some ways outside of the actual confines of this one specific event, one specific show or the testing that up around it so that's pretty neat to see as well that
2: is neat that's really interesting because i think i mean a lot of the sports that get showcased in in this show really do need more participation and they're really interesting and cool sports but it's nice to see that that the ngbs start talking to each other because you you kind of assume on the outside like oh it's one big umbrella but everything is still pretty siloed isn't it
3: It is possible to get siloed, and you get kind of sports that are singularly focused sometimes on what it is that they're doing, and I don't want to say blind to the rest of the Olympic world, but sometimes you've got a lot right in front of your face that you need to get taken care of, and so an event like this opens your eyes and makes you aware of what other sports are looking for, and I think at the end of the day, the majority of people that are working in Olympic sport and the coaches want to see the athletes do what's best for them. And if they know that, hey, this athlete, they have an interest in our sport, but and they really show potential and attributes that might make them successful or even more successful in another sport, they want that athlete to have that opportunity and experience. Then, and we're seeing that kind of play out a little bit just in the conversations and the interactions that are happening between sports. So it's a program I can say, has broken down some walls that may have existed between and kind of inhibited communication between different sports. We're seeing more free collaboration and, and sharing of thoughts and ideas than we had before the program or before this was done in 2017.
2: So Season 1 winners, where are they now? Besides, We follow Josh, so we know he's doing well. He, did, he had a really good season for a rookie season and has been training hard. So what about the other ones?
3: Yeah, I think we'll call out just a couple. They've got Josh Kyle Plant was the women's bobsled winner and she's still in the in the bobsled program and she participated in a an America's cup race last January, which is kind of a level below one of the levels below kind of the World Cup competition where you saw the where you see the Olympians participating but she finished second, participating as a push athlete in that event and finished fourth in a second event held that same weekend. So they're very positive about what it is that she's brought to the table. That's a tough group to crack, those push athletes on the women's bobsled side. But in talking with the national governing body, they really envision her as someone that has the chops to kind of move from the break woman position the front of the sled and become a pilot. And I think that their intention is to get her that training at the end of this season that just completed in the beginning of next season to build out our depth in that area going forward into the twenty twenty two, potentially twenty twenty six games So so that's exciting. And then two others from the world of rugby. Kelly Smith was the was the winner on the women's rugby side. And she's Been on a a real steep learning curve, but a successful learning curve, she's still in their their program, and they see her as someone that could make that jump to to the national team. She's not there yet, but they haven't given up on her and are actually encouraged by what it is that she's doing, that they're finding opportunities for her to get good level coaching, good level competition, so that she can continue to refine and develop her skills and get back into their high performance program hopefully later this year. Um, so again, this is when you it's a different sport, right? Rugby. And it's a team sport and there's dynamics and how the team works together that you have to kind of understand and learn to be able to, to succeed at the at the highest level and she's in the process of kind of getting that feel for the for the game. Same for Devin Shore. He spent three months with the team at I think last summer and he is now competing on a team in the San Diego area. He's been part of that program. He's played successfully for the last couple of months, and they're going to continue to monitor him and still have aspirations and belief that he can move up to Team USA's Rugby Sevens program going forward in the future. Again, he's impressed them and has done some things that he's getting opportunities, and they're finding opportunities for him to get more development more training to keep them on that high-performance path. The thing that's neat and the reason that those kind of stories are, are important is that the sports, once they left that next Olympic hopeful kind of testing event last year in Colorado Springs, outside of giving those athletes an additional opportunity to be evaluated, weren't on the hook for doing anything for these athletes. So if they didn't pan out or they didn't show the skills after further evaluation, that would lead them to believe that they had a, a future in the sport. They could have cut them. They could have turned them loose. But rugby has seen something in Kelly and seen something in Devon that they're continuing to find opportunities, continuing to make opportunities for Kelly and Devon to get additional training, additional competition opportunities, and hopefully progress up the ladder to represent Team USA at some point in the, in the future. So they're under no obligation to make any of this happen. They're doing this because they see potential. They see talent in these athletes, and, and that's exciting. very happy about, about that. Is so those there would be any- the ones I think I would focus on and say are the most successful stories coming out of the, out of the event last year.
4: Is there any concern with the next Olympic hopeful that it's so many years before those athletes actually would be on the national team? Because it's not like, you know, a a televised reality competition like an American Idol, where next month the record gets released. I mean, this is going to be at least five years from year one before we'd see any of those athletes probably in an actual Olympics.
3: Yep, that's true, and part of that is simply because the Olympics only go every four years. Right. (laughs) Uh, I think if you look at someone like Josh, for example. Had we done this two years out from the, the Pyeongchang Games, there could have been a, a chance that he made that team. It's, I think it's about the timing of when the program was was started. I'll be honest with you, there's not concern from our side in terms of the sport performance side because there is a natural evolution to talent, and it's not a instantaneous, oh, we identify you one day as having potential, and then the next day you're... They're competing with the national team. There's a process associated with that and evolution that athletes need to go through in order to, to get to that level. I think that's, from a sport performance side, that that's a natural expectation. It would have been incredible had Josh made that jump within one year, but um, it wasn't surprising that he that he didn't when we ultimately got into the training and the preparations for the 2018 Olympic Games. I don't know that there's a. I don't know that there's a concern about the timing and the timeline.
2: Do you know when this season's show will air?
3: So it's going to be. It's actually a two-part documentary, and so the entire trial is going to be documented for a documentary. That's going to air on NBC and NBCSN in November at some point I don't have the specific dates at the tip of my fingers right now but that's kind of the timeline that we're that we're looking at
2: Scott thank you so much for putting this together and taking the time to sit down with us we are really excited to see what comes out of this season because it it, it's really a neat program and it's it's for for us at least it's it's so nice to see smaller sports be able to find some talent and for talented athletes who don't know where to go have a have a chance to find a sport that suits them.
3: I think that's great. Can I just do one make one last sure. comment because I do wanna I do want to recognize kind of the the partners and who it is that's helping make this happen. And I mentioned to you already that the Oklahoma City Boathouse Foundation, it's one of our Olympic training sites, is hosting and it just hosted one of the, the tryouts which was Tremendously valuable. We saw some good talent come through there. Next weekend, we have East Tennessee State University, another one of the Olympic training sites that are um, hosting a tryout and are looking forward to what we'll see there. We have, And we have 24-Hour Fitness that is continuing to support this program. They're a valuable sponsor and supporter of what it is that we're doing, and they're going to be hosting in-club tryouts in, on June 2nd, I believe. So, yeah, just making sure that the word gets out and we're recognizing kind of the contributions that those those groups are making because they're invaluable to what it is that we're doing and also have a role in the long-term vision of how this program could continue to grow. Great. Fantastic.
2: All right. Well, right. Well, thank you so much, Scott. We really appreciated you coming on the show and chatting with us. And we will put information on our website about how you can try out for the show. I know that one of the centers is having uh, tryouts this coming weekend, but uh, there should be some more slots available through 24 hour fitness. So we'll get some those details up on our website and maybe you've got what it takes to be an Olympic hopeful as well. So it was really exciting. I, I'm really looking forward to another season.
1: I am. I, it was it was a nice show to watch. It was so interesting to learn what those combines are like. Right. Uh, I had no idea what was when they said they were doing a reality show. I was a little concerned that it would be sort of big brothery, in that it would be more about oh the the competition the among, stories yes. and the the backbiting and but it was really very pure in that way in right that it wasn't staged it wasn't dishonest it,
2: right and,
1: and josh had the same expression uh same experience when we talked to him that he said he felt like the show was very reflective right. of what the experience had been like so that was reassuring um to now hear that kind of on both, both sides of the experience
2: right and i don't think they have long enough of a time to develop like backstory and infighting or whatever you want to call it like the reality show characters i mean they end up do finding characters but they have to talk you know the producers have to talk to everybody to figure out who's gonna go further and and how you know what what backstories to start telling throughout the show but it's it's there's just i don't think there's enough time to develop that They only
1: only do two parts of the documentary. And I think last year it was one. Right. It was like, like, yeah, like an hour and a half, I Mm want to say. So, yeah, they're not spending time making a villain, making a hero, making the sob story, making the redemption story. Oh,
2: Voting people out. Oh. I think, yeah, just because you don't have that aspect of what you think of in a traditional reality TV competition, you get a much more pure aspect and, and more documentary style of a show. Right. I mean, you call it reality, but it's not really reality. It's probably more documentary. Yes.
1: But. I was just getting the, the like voting out of Olympic <laughs> Island. They,
2: you know, we have snuffed space. your flame. Yeah, we
1: have turned out your torch and, you know, <laughs> strip you of your metal. And, <laughs> oh, and they would do, like, close-ups of the drug testing. Oh and <laughs> Your pee is pure. <laughs> <laughs> and the faces
2: they were
1: oh oh i could see uh, this could get really interesting producers do not get on that
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah do not listen to us do not
1: get on that because that would keep it be the hard. way it is
2: but yes. I, i'm excited to see new sports come in and that made me really happy like they're talking the the different federations are talking to each other and saying hey you've got an athlete that could be good because y- you know they're scouting everywhere and if an athlete has talent and potential I think it's nice to see the federations recognize that we need to encourage the talent and find the right sport for this person,
1: right? And what you know, when we spoke to Lauren Gibbs, who ended up with a silver medal in bobsled, and and we spoke to spoke to Josh, he's from Florida, she's from California. These are not people who would get exposed to bobsled, right? In ordinary circumstances, and for that matter, it's not like there's a college bobsled team, right? So it's how do they get athletes? They sort of trickle in from other places Mm -hmm. anyway. So I think that's great. Yeah, Yeah, if there's more coaches like the Kiwi rugby coach, I'm all for new sports coming in. (laughs) He was fun to watch in those discussions. He was brutal, but it always sounded better with the
2: accent. Like, that man is terrible. (laughs) But when you say it is Kiwi, it's like, oh, thanks. (laughs) Well, we shall see. Excellent. But we will be watching for the show later this summer. Or actually what, November? They said it'd probably yes. be up. They said so. it'll be up in November, so when it's out, we will we'll do a review. Yes. Very excited. Do what we think. You know what else is coming up, Allison?
1: What else is coming you know, up? We're Jill?
2: we're less than a month away from Olympic Day.
1: Okay, now you mentioned this to me. I do not know what Olympic Day I, is.
2: I am shocked. <laughs> Olympic Day, which is it's a weird holiday I think it's one of those like the IOC created a day to they say it's well here's from their website Olympic Day is much more than just a sports event it is a day for the world to get active learn about Olympic values and discover new sports based on the three pillars move learn and discover national Olympic committees are organizing sports cultural and educational activities throughout the world I think this is a day for the ioc to say hey remember us but there are places that do have olympic day things but they're usually like targeted towards kids like have a fun run the only way i knew about olympic day was when chicago did bid for the olympics and they were trying to bolster all of their international sporting activities they had a big deal thing on olympic day where they had a whole bunch of demonstration sports at north avenue beach because uh, ben and got his fencing buddies together and with the his fencing club and they did fencing demonstrations but uh, and then they had how do, you, how do you fence on the beach well this was like in the parking lot or something like oh, okay. that the parking lot next to it or on the grass but they had like volleyball and i because volleyball was near us and they had fencing and they had a couple of other things too And then they had a run, like a one-mile run from maybe Grant Park or something up to North Avenue Beach so that uh, people could run and then find the sporting activities and and learn more about them. So that was kind of cool. I don't think enough... Especially in the United States, you'll see activities, and I bet LA will start having a lot of stuff because right. they're in you know their host city again. Right. But a lot of this stuff is geared towards kids, and you know we we
1: ageless wonders, right. Would like to try some things, right? And I think they need to at least get family activities, so you can you know borrow a kid and <laughs> go and do them with them. You no know, well, it's why can't
2: if... we just have an adults an adults Olympic Day? Yeah. We could have true. our own virtual Olympic Day event. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. The Olympic Fever Podcast Olympic Oli- Day activity yeah, spectacular. Like,
1: go go try something go try an Olympic event you haven't
2: tried. Like
1: I'm I'm gonna row.
2: Right. But you're gonna we're gonna row later in July.
1: Well, okay, then I'll go well, try something else. But, you know, maybe go try a martial
2: art or go try fencing or, oh, maybe I'll go ride a horse. Ooh, there you go. I and cannot. listeners, what 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 uh, activities would you like to do on Olympic Day? That's I would love to hear from the listeners what, what they would like to do to get active, learn about Olympic values. Well, we could help put together something about Olympic values and discover a new sport. We could
1: send some flowers to Tomas Bach for Olympic Day (laughs) with a nice
2: card. Happy Olympic Day, T-Bach.
1: Yeah. Your your
2: pals, Allison and Jill.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I want people to, for Olympic Fever, Olympic Day, that's going to be our, 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 that's too long of a hashtag. We need a shorter hashtag. The OFOD. OFOD? Yes. Okay. OFOD. And to post pictures of themselves trying something
2: ah so on, on instagram on, or yes, twitter right or
1: facebook yes o f o d trying something
2: that sounds Olympic-ish. good and we and it doesn't you know let's not have it be on june 20th we can celebrate the entire month olympic day well olympic day should be in your hearts every day because you know olympic values whatever those are i was gonna say <laughs> does that
1: involve getting a free steak and a watch when i come to visit your city <laughs> <laughs> Ooh,
2: did I say that? <laughs> now I am gonna have to send teabak flowers. I just insulted up <laughs> No, but I think it would be great. you know make Olympic Day whatever day you can do up until June twentieth. June twentieth happens to be on a Wednesday, so I would say you'd have until june twenty fourth to celebrate Olympic Day, try something new, discover something about the Olympics that you didn't know, and get active. yeah. So I don't but, know what I, I... Mine is not
1: going to involve a weapon of any kind. Okay. Because I don't want, you know, Olympic Day experiment involves injuring someone.
2: <laughs> OFOD goes horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need a hashtag. I like yeah. that. Hashtag OFOD. All right. We, we are on this. Okay, listeners. Now it's up to you to participate. So let us know what you're doing for Olympic Day. If you've got stuff you're learning... Hashtag that and send it to us or email us. We are info at Olimfever.com. And yeah. And, and we'll also post up the, the link to, I know the IOC usually puts up, hey, here's what your national organizing committee is doing. So usually uh, there are a lot of countries that will do a fun run or some kind of cool event. Whether right. or not so there we, will be if, a cool event by you is a different story. Right. but
1: we will whatever we find, we will share. Right. In terms of local events or uh, right. city events, yeah, L.A.'s got to be doing something. Something big.
2: So, I'm excited. I, I know. think we can, we can have a good Olympic fever Olympic day.
1: Yeah, I don't one know. One I now I, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Well, you got time. You got Ooh, time. I could do rhythmic gymnastics with a hoop.
2: <gasps> oh be cool that would be cool we'll figure it out figure yeah, out something so well i think we've got a lot to work on so let's get to getting right how come we keep giving ourselves more work I don't How does it work <laughs> it's true <laughs> how does it work when it's the olympics
1: i don't when know it a, when it involves a hula hoop and a sword i mean <laughs> this is good
2: stuff <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get to getting and get to planning and get to finding more Olympic stories and activities for you. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you back here next week. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's
0: O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olymp Fever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the
2: flame alive. Well, Olympic Day should be in your hearts every day, because, you know, Olympic values, whatever those are.